Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to translate through every verse of Job 28. What about translate? Or talk about we're going to discuss job 28 we're going to discuss job wow 28. there's there's actually 28 verses in job 28 that is a sign to us that the rapture is 28 days away oh my what happened <laughs> we went wow. zero to 60 right there you went harold camping all of a sudden books hey, and business i love camping hey we have some thinklings business to tend to Books and business. Let's talk about some books, Tim. What do you got over there? So I've been reading a little bit of the words of the wise are like goads, engaging Kohelet in the 21st century. Goats. Goads. So building off of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, how the words of the wise are like goads. They poke people and prod them in the right direction. Mm. Uh, and that's how wisdom works. It co- coincides with Job 28. And we'll see how prodding and goad-ish. You ever think someone has taught today. a lesson from a Bible passage about goads and like thought it was goats. That's bound to have happened at least once. Oh yes. Oh yes. Especially if you've only heard it verbally. So uh, this <laughs> book is all about, you know, 500 pages of goodness concerning uh, Kohelet. That'd be the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, the main chapter that brought me to this one was the connection between Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs. So I submitted my Lady Wisdom paper to uh, Jets, and I I consulted this book in support of one of my points. And that's it. That's all I've got for my books and business. I'm going to keep it short today. Boom. Wow, that was really short. So hey. we finished The Hobbit in my family. We read through The Hobbit, me and my two kids. Robin was there at times, but it was mostly me and the kids. And so we were driving around the other day, and I just turned on my audio version of Lord of the Rings. So I was running errands with the kids. I was thinking this is not, they're not going to want to listen to it because it's way more complicated. It's like, it's much more adult version and Oh no, they are like total. They just want to listen to it all the time. But what I'm finding myself doing is stopping like every other sentence sometimes to explain what's going on. So I think I've gotten myself in too deep. So I would say that just as a quick thing, like I don't have a big rating or discussion over it. The, the book really is different in like some really good ways. I'm just, I'm amazed at how often Tolkien is putting out like, this is the virtuous way to respond that it's so frequent. It's, it's very, very good literature. It really is. Um, the whole backstory to Gollum, I, I had forgotten that that was here because in the movies, you don't get that until the second one. Um, and then there are some things that I thought I, I'd remembered them in the movie order that were actually said at the Shire early on before they even leave. So, but it's, and it's, it's just interesting. Uh, some of the parallels between Bilbo, his story, and then Frodo at the beginning. I, I just like it a lot. It's really good. So what I'm, what I'm planning on doing is at some point we're going to start reading them. And I think then I can go slower. And sometimes with kids, at least with mine, if I read a certain way and make gestures, they sort of follow what's going on. But the guy with the British accent on audible speaks too quickly. And then sometimes when I read it, I'll just read different words that they know instead of like the words that Tolkien used, which I guess it'd be like, mine's like the new living translation of Tolkien when I'm using it. I guess, I don't know. There was a mirror in the valley 
like a mirror. What? It's like a lake. Oh yeah. So yeah. you just substitute yep. the word lake. Yeah. The lake and the valley. Yeah. yeah. I did that a lot in the Hobbit and didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think the audio version just doesn't have that built in. So I'm really enjoying it though. And I would say, Oh, I feel like I lost. I have a thought I was going to say about it and it just flew away. So I might come back and give you another thought. It just, Oh, flew. speed. So I back. listen to this guy. <laughs> there it that is. was fast. 1.2 times speed mm. or a little higher. Maybe I, ha- I, I put it down to point. Eight. Oh my, it's so slow. But with the higher vocabulary, they could actually track better because mm. it's reading it slower. Yeah. Nice. And that was a really interesting tip. So that's all I got today. That's it. It's been kind of busy. So I like it. So mine's kind of a little, little one too. Uh, so I've been kind of over the last couple of years, I've read a bunch of books about sleeping. And so this is kind of down that road. It might make a like final and full appearance when we get to the summer and we're out in left field again. Oh, I love your left so field. The the name of the book is Lifetime. It's actually like brand new. And the way that I stumbled on it was like when I get on YouTube, which I know we just had an episode or we've had episodes where we like this could be really bad. But uh, a lot of the like YouTube shorts that they feed me is a lot of this like biohacking, health, nutrition type stuff. And there's this interview being done, and and the guy that wrote the book, let me look at his name, Russell Foster, and he is uh, the Oxford professor on circadian rhythm. And if you ever heard the circadian rhythm, it's this idea that your body is synced to this like daily ebb and flow, uh, and what stimulates it is um, like really probably the two big ones is light and eating and that there's a comment in one of the interviews that I heard and that really stimulated me to get the book and and try to glean from it. And, uh, he's like, you know, you just kind of take for granted that you're a biological being. Like you forget for a moment that all of the things you're doing are dependent on your biology. It's like your brain and your stomach and like all of this is like in tune together. And if you get out of sorts, it's going to, it affects things. And it's like, yeah. Okay. And he, he didn't set out to talk about sleep, but that the circadian rhythm thing just gets into sleep. Hmm. And there's, there's a lot of interesting, um, science in the book. Obviously he, well, not, maybe it's not obvious, but I'm going to tell you, he is an evolutionist and probably an atheist. There's a really funny part in the book. I read it to the guys earlier where he's talking about the role of melatonin. And there's like this false uh theory that melatonin like makes you sleep and your brain does like secrete it and it it is more available or produced while you sleep but it doesn't necessarily cause you to sleep and he he gets into that like there's very small correlation between the two and and what most of the sleep scientists say is a lot of its placebo effect wow but they're, they're like maybe maybe you'd fall asleep like 10 minutes quicker Maybe like it's, it's inconclusive, but like some of the main studies on melatonin are like very specifically nuanced, like this particular group of people that all have Alzheimer's, um, or something like that. And so like, (laughs) it's not not necessarily general populace carryover anyway, but in the, in the section on melatonin, he's talking about that and he talks about melatonin is made mostly in the pineal gland of your brain, a structure in the middle 
of your brain and considered by Rene Descartes to be the anatomical location of the soul and the spiritual part of your human being. And this is where sometimes there's just like low hanging fruit about the author's worldview. Further discussion of the soul is beyond the scope of this book. And I refer you to your chosen deity. So like he (laughs) obviously doesn't have a biblical worldview (laughs) on creation and who you are. And their whole point is that these circadian rhythms they happen because we evolved over millions and millions of mm-hmm. years where the sun came up and the sun went down. And as a Christian, you don't have to throw out all their science to make sense of it. God made it this way. It's very clear. Like God made it. There's a sun, there's a moon, there's a rhythm to there's day and night. And that was the first day. And like he made humans. And by the way, all of the life on earth follows that structure because that's how God ordered it. Um, you know, there's probably nested in the, in the midst of that science, a, a lot of assumptions and worldview issues, but in general, trying to glean from, you know, what we would consider a, an earthly physical expert on sleep. How could I like improve sleep? And I, I think I am convinced at this point to fight against that rhythm is dumb. <laughs> and so, uh, it's Daniel Estes Jr. He has a book on Proverbs and wisdom, and he has a statement there that, Wisdom is living according to the reality God has made. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's so good. And so if you want to Ooh. live in a reality where you don't have a daily rhythm of sleep and you want to act like that doesn't exist, you might not notice it for a while, especially if you're younger, but over time, not living in that reality will hurt you. Mm-hmm. It'll be negative to you and your your life and ministry. And so interesting read so far. It's probably a little bit too technical for my taste, but uh, I'm hoping that I can get to some nice uh, practical like action items at some point, which I think so far really the number one thing is, and we would obviously know this is wise. There's a lot of science to back up the fact that you should go to bed at the same time each night and try to wake up at the same time each morning because your body does get used to that. And biologically, all of you responds to when you normally wake up and when you normally go to bed. And if you're like one day, I'm going to go to bed at 10 and then the next day I'm going to go to bed at eight. And then the next day, well, it's Friday. I'm going to stay up until two with my buddies. There are negative consequences to that and they can show you that and demonstrate it. But anyway, so yeah, lifetime, your body clock and it's essential roles in good health and sleep is something I'm reading. I'm ready for my content. Did you have a comment on I just on want to book? tag off of one thing that you he go said. Ahead. So we just, in Western Civil a while back, we went through, we're going through the scientific revolution. And and you might have different opinions here because you've read a book on Galileo and I think you have a lower view of him. Mm-hmm. Galileo. But, but Figaro and Magnifico. Anyways, so with with Galileo, he he's looking out at the scientific data that is challenging the church's teaching that the earth is the center of the solar system and why is he able to look at observational data and come to the correct conclusion it's because i still think he was within a biblical worldview whereas when you get past the scientific age there's an assumption of no design no creator and so i think what you see is Whenever people ask the what question and then study it, more often than not, if they're being honest, I can take their what answers and I can say, okay, that that's, mm-hmm. and so the what answers for the sleep guy. Oh yeah. But I, I think where you get into trouble is when you have a why 
and you yes. don't have a biblical worldview. Yep. So that's where I think you're right. We can probably take a bunch of his what information and we could do some good stuff with it. But the why part, because <laughs> we evolved and all that, well, you're saying, well, it's because we were designed that way. And the funny thing is that the Catholic church whiffs in the middle ages because they're taking Ecclesiastes and a bunch of poetic sections that say the earth never moves. And they're saying, see, and they just need to take intro to Bible study for me. And then they wouldn't have gotten the solar system wrong. <laughs> or principles of Bible teaching with me. That's right. That's right. See, or uh, any of Tim's old Testament classes. Let's have a conversation <laughs> about Job 28. Right. Up. Perfect. Perfect segue. Are you guys there? I'm there. Uh, I will be. I, I'm, I'm there. So Job 28, not <laughs> a really not well bite. known <laughs> text. But uh, I would encourage you to study through this passage. In fact, as we work through it, my one of my goals would be to uh, to drive you to the text itself, that you would want to see God's revelation here. Uh, read through Job 28, the, see if these things are so. And um, I pray that you're fed by God's word. Now, as we work through Job 28, I don't think either of these guys have heard me work through Job 28. So this is kind of all new to them. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, Job 28 is a book about mining and precious metals. Uh, kind of odd. We get a lot of historical information about ancient man from Job 28. For example, they can dig down into the earth and they can find all sorts of different metals and metallurgical stuff. It's fascinating from a historical perspective. But it's really uh, a, 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 it's really the foundation for some of Solomon's statements in the book of Proverbs. So for example, in Proverbs chapter 2, we've talked about verses 1 through 5 uh, several times on our podcast. Proverbs 2, 1 states, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. And then in Proverbs 2, verse 4, If you seek her, that's wisdom, as silver, and search for her as for hidden treasures. Now, if you think through searching for wisdom like a like money, okay? Um, cue Job 28, because really Solomon and what he's saying in Proverbs 2, 1 through 4 is the, is the dumbed down version of what Job is saying in Job 28, huh. 1 through 28. Interesting. So if you think through, you know, the whole uh, uh, complexity of things, okay? Job, complex. Proverbs, less complex. And James is wisdom for dummies. All right. Wow. You James <laughs> is riffing off of Proverbs all the time. And, and, uh, so anyway, that's kind of just like the tiered structure. So right now we're moving beyond <laughs> even the deeper stuff and going into the even deeper stuff. We're literally going deep because Job 28, two states, iron is taken from the earth and copper is smelted from ore. Tim, I think you just made like a summary joke. That, that was really good. Went deeper. I'm, I'm giving you like three emojis for that. It was man. like a, well, a dumb pun. No. No, no, it was like a <laughs> seminary level humor. What do you It wasn't a dumb pun, it was a deep pun. Oh. All right. So Job twenty-eight verse one states <laughs> he, he really had to dig in for that one. <laughs> Surely there we're going Don't digging. We are oh! gonna <laughs> Hey, the pickaxe occurs in here. They're digging, they're searching for something, they're trying to find it. We'll see if they can find it. And we'll see if we can come back up out of the earth at the end. So let's read Job twenty-eight. 28 verse 1, Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth, and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit the ore in gloom and deep darkness. 
He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air, far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, but underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beasts have not trodden it. The lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle, and the thing that is hidden he brings out to light. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Okay, so we'll stop there for now. What kind of sentences do we have there in verse 12? They're, they're questions. Yes. So we have these interrogative questions asking now, where is wisdom? Yet what has been the pursuit in verses 1 through 11? Gold. Yeah, like precious stuff. Okay, so Stones. it's all about mining. Right, so there's an analogy, a metaphor that's been created here, and it transitions at verse 12. But he, Job spends 11 verses on this metaphor, and I want us to analyze it a little bit further. Compare verse 1 and verse 12. What do you see that's similar or repeated between Job 28.1 and Job 28.12? It's the place. Yes. Okay, so good. Like, in 28.1, it says, surely there's a mine for silver. And then in my translation, it says, and a place for gold. Uh -huh. And then in 12, it says, where shall we find wisdom? And where's the place of understanding? Excellent. Is that, I'm not looking at the Hebrew. Is that a repeated? Mm -hmm. Okay. That is a repeated Third word. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're looking for something, the place where wisdom resides. They know one place. What is the place that they know? That man knows. Man knows the place for... Well, these precious metals. Yeah. Yeah, these things they we want. We know where that place is. The precious metals are underneath the earth, and man can acquire them. Hmm. Is it easy to acquire? No. No, it is not easy to acquire. In fact, he spends a great deal of time on on how difficult it is to acquire it. So what are some of the things that we have? Carter, you need to give me some input on this too. What are some of the things that uh, that Job talks about in Job twenty-eight about that illustrates the difficulty of acquiring the uh, precious metals? Uh, getting down to them. It's difficult to get to them because they're underneath the earth, and we have the contrast in verse five. As for the earth, out of it comes bread. It's like this kind of an interesting concept because the bread, the grain is coming. The seed is in the earth where all of the precious metals and stuff are. But then underneath that, it's like hot. Hmm. So it's it ha you have to get down there. So so how do we get down there? What does Job 28 teach on how do you get down there? Or just give me something else. Well, five makes five makes the comment in, this, in the second colon. There it says, "But underneath it, underneath it is turned up as by fire." Is mm -hmm. he saying like? He's saying it's just hot down there. Is that all he's saying? I think so. Or is it like the, the it takes a lot of heat to flip? Okay. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, how do you make bread? 
Well, you're baking it. Yeah. Is he saying like the earth's baking bread? That's what I was wondering. Yeah. It's no, baking the, the I, seed. I, I don't, I don't, that's <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I don't think so, but there's maybe a stretch. There's a, I think there is a wordplay. Yeah, that one needs some more work. Sorry. Mm, you're horrendous. Okay. Sorry. There's a wordplay there though. You were saying? Yeah. Because the bread, he says out of it comes bread. Well, bread doesn't come out of the earth. What comes out of the earth? The, like the, the grain, the grain yeah. that's needed to make the bread. Okay. So the bread is a, uh, a metonymy of effect. Okay. Because the effect is the bread, whereas the cause is the grain. Really quick. What does metonymy mean for, for we know poetry, like we understand, but what's metonymy mean? Do you remember? Is it like the, some of us do. The, yes. The part of the whole. So like, do. it's not a part of the whole. Is it the white house, the representational one? Uh, uh, well, I can't remember if White House, it's the, it's the, it's the cause for, or for the result or the result for the cause. Oh, okay. It's flipping those. Uh -huh. That's what you meant. It, okay. Yeah. Because the effect, the the result is the bread mm -hmm. and that's flipping it for what caused it. Okay. And that's the grain. Listener in Hebrew poetry, there's lots of poetic terms that are, you'll find them in English too. And so sometimes mm -hmm. Dr. Little's a proficient at that, that that's all he's talking about. That's it. It's just a figure of speech that bread does not literally come out of the earth. It's grain, but the focus is on the result that the grain gives and that's food. Okay. What else do we see here? There's, there's a uh, nine, 10 and 11. There's a lot of activity. There is a lot of activity. And what are they having to do? They're digging. Yes, man uh, turn, puts his hand to the flinty rock. They're I mean, altering the stream to hard get the rock. water. They're having to go through a hard rock. That's really, really difficult. But they're able to do it. They're having to reroute the stream, okay, to be able to access it. That's really, really difficult. And they aren't sure if that's actually an underground uh, um, underground uh, river mm -hmm. type of a thing. Uh, and so they're having to find another course for it so that they can continue digging and uh, finding stuff. Good. So, I mean, there's all kinds of metallurgy stuff in here, which illustrates the ability that man uh, can do. It's fascinating how, how ancient man was even able to do all of this stuff. I like verse uh, four. He opens shafts in a valley from where anyone lives. They're forgotten by travelers. You know, people are walking right by. They don't even know there's people underneath the yeah. ground. They're digging away and doing stuff. And then this next one, they hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and for or fro. It's like, woo, mm -hmm. you know, as they're going down into the shaft back and forth. It's so funny because it sounds like this is a very ancient book. Mm -hmm. And yet this is a lot of knowledge for an ancient people. Mm -hmm. It isn't really a lot of knowledge. I just think today with our idea of progress we would assume that recent man all has like the most knowledge right but they were able to do all mm -hmm. of these things as well yeah it's quite fascinating i think i'm starting to see where this is going it clicked the light bulb Ooh, turned on a moment did ago it? yep all right let's create a little more confusion then and then we'll uh -oh. hopefully create some more <laughs> light okay what's up with the animals in verses seven and eight that path, do you see the path? They're creating a path down underneath the earth. And then that path, no bird of prey knows. And the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beasts have not trodden it. The lion has not passed over it. What's up with the animals? Well, well yeah, I don't know. 
I have a couple of thoughts. I don't know if they're correct. Okay, well, you guys haven't gone through this with me, so we're thinking, and who knows what our listeners might, so thoughts they might have. We're, we're already in a location that's far away from other people, so mm-hmm. we're out in the wilderness, and there's animals that would know what's out there. I mean, part of me thinks a bird, like, sees everything, because he's up there and, like, looking down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's other passages in the Bible that talk about a bird might tell people things that it knows. Okay, so why the bird, and what aspect of the bird is it emphasizing? Not flight, but... Uh, it's it's a, a bird with eyesight. Eyesight. Mm-hmm. To be able to see. A falcon's eye in verse 20, Correct. verse 7. Okay, and so of the animals, the bird, the, the falcon, has an extraordinary ability to see. So if anything can be seen, who can see it? The falcon. But guess what the falcon cannot see? Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Verse 8, it's not eyesight anymore. It's not what do we have? A different beast. Uh, well, at least in the second half, it's a lion. Is it? The proud beasts have not trodden it. The lion has not passed over it. Is it like territory? Mm. Like a lion has territory? Yeah, I mean, you don't exactly want to encounter a lion because it might eat you. Okay, so territory, I like that. That's good. All right, so there's a reason he brings these two animals into the equation. What is man able to do in these first several verses? He can find it and he can use it. And who can't? And the animals cannot. And the animals cannot. Mm -hmm. Okay? So what does that teach us about anthropology? We're better. (laughs) (laughs) We We are made in God's image. And animals are not. So there's there's some things I guess we can do. I don't know. I'm not sure where you're going with that one. That's it, pretty okay. much. Right. Okay. He's drawing a correlation between what man can do and what an animal cannot. Nor okay. does an animal even care. Why would you ever go down into the earth? That's dumb. That's, I, mean, I think moles might have something to say about that. Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's true. But they're doing it for a different reason. <laughs> it's true. You know, they it's like true. to eat those worms. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. I think I'm good here. Okay. Let's move on into the next section. And we're going to come back to these themes, particularly with the animals. There's something to more to be garnered there. Um, but this pursuit, that's what this, I mean, think about that. He spends a lot of time and he's earnestly trying to illustrate the, the, uh, the, the pursuit and the desire for this wealth and, and the extreme lengths to which man will go to acquire this wealth. And I think that is highly simplified in Proverbs 2, where you're searching for treasure. That's basically all that Solomon says. You search for treasure. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that look like? This. This. And you have this long explanation about digging out a shaft and swaying to and fro and cutting through the flinty rock and rerouting the water so that you can get to the riches and the depths. And guess what? That's an illustration that that Proverbs 2 makes in the pursuit of... Wisdom. Wisdom. Okay? So we can acquire the wealth. We can. But can we acquire the wisdom? So verse 12, I'm going to continue reading. I'll start with the two questions that I already read. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth. And it is not found in the land of the of the living. Ooh. Remember, what's the question? Where is the place of understanding? Okay? It is not found in the land of the living. 
All right, I'm continuing to read in verse 14. The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not in with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? Okay, what kind of questions? Uh, stink. <laughs> what it's, kind it's of sentences do we questions. have? Thank you. They're questions, Tim. <laughs> but it, but it's, it's, it's a repeat. It's, it's yes. identical. Yeah. That's Not quite, a, almost. Compare verses 12 and 20. From where then does window... Oh, wisdom. Oh, it's source. Not where can it be found, but uh, where is its source? Okay. Where does it come from? It's only a little bit different. Yeah. Okay. Where is the place of understanding? That is, is exactly identical. the same. Wow. All right. So now you have questions at verse 20. So we have another clear division within the text. So these questions are not really rhetorical questions. We would call them leading questions because they're seeking to go somewhere. They're not just rhetorical effect, but they're like trying to provide an answer and, and leading the reader down a certain waterway, shall we say. Okay. So what, what's going on in 12 through 19? What are we talking about wisdom? We're talking about wisdom now. So before we were talking about the wealth, now we're talking about wisdom. Clearly, we're not looking for money anymore. We're looking for wisdom. And, and all those wealth or value items mm. are shown to be ineffective in finding or obtaining the wisdom. Correct. Like that none of those will lead you to the wisdom. Correct. And so the correlation between all of those precious things, which man earnestly searches for because we like wealth, we like money. And exerts a lot of effort. Exactly. And Thanks. exerts an enormous amount of effort to acquire. Okay. But what is greater? Wisdom. Wisdom is greater Wisdom's than all of those things. Wisdom is more valuable yeah. and harder like, to find. Even if you mined out all of the riches underneath the earth, they can't buy you wisdom. It is more difficult to find wisdom than it can than it is to acquire the wealth underneath the ground. Okay, this is where understanding Job 28 can be so impactful and understanding an Old Testament theology of what we're about to talk about. <laughs> I don't want to give the answer yet and how this develops, all right? It, it is so practical. Now, it might be like, man, you're just talking about all of these ancient things here, there, or whatever else. This has got no real bearing on the, the world in which I live. It has total bearing on the, on the, on, on the life that you live today. This is, affects apologetics. This affects how, why, why um, bad things happen to good people. This affects every aspect of life. I find that this answers the atheist's claim. Uh, um, it, it truly does provide, I think, the foundation for living life, just like I would say Proverbs 2 does. These texts are communicating very similar things. This one, however, is more enigmatic. And, and if you truly want to understand, okay, why bad things happen to good people or where we came from or any of those apologetics, deep questions, or what do I do next with my life? Even that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. This text, 
uh, provides the, the answer to all of those questions. The issue is it's not going to answer it the way you might think. You want wisdom. That's what you're asking for. You want knowledge, and that's a good thing. Go after it. But what did this text just say about where wisdom is at? Man can't find it. Man cannot find it. And where does it not reside? Not with all the precious, valuable things under the you ground. You cannot acquire it with all the precious, valuable things mm-hmm. under the ground. And look at verse 13. Where oh. does man, Where does wisdom not, not found reside? in the land of the living. Exactly. Mm. Okay, hang on, hang on. Which Wait verse? Which verse? Verse 13. Okay. Man does not know its worth. So that's the concept you just hit on. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it talks about the worth a lot. But then it says it's not found in the land of the living. Oh, it's literally not here. Okay, now what does it say then in verse 14? That sets him up because then he questions and something's personified. What's personified in verse 14? Oh yeah, the ocean. The ocean, the The deep, the deep says. So now he's going to, whoa, it's not in the depths of the earth. Maybe it's in the depths of the sea. Mm. And he goes into the depths of the sea and the sea speaks. It's not in me. Okay, it's not with me, the sea says, so it's not there. Then where is it? Where is wisdom? It's not in the land of the living. All right, so now, how are we on that section? I know I kind of summarized a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. No, Moving on? Got it. No, Look I'm, at this, I'm, we're I'm, blasting through an entire chapter oh, yeah. in one podcast. Blasting through it. Blasting through <laughs> There's a whole lot more. Put our, put our dynamite in there and just boom. You guys are horrendous. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I did, yeah. Okay. I didn't, I knew you didn't catch that when I, I first even, said it. I didn't even mean to. Can we, can we all just go back and say. Didn't you, even you, register on the scale. You were talking about bread that it, needs uh, to be baked. Like I, are I we, caught that one. You did? Okay, did you didn't it. say it. Okay. I didn't want to say it. Carry on, carry on. Let's get back to the okay, text. Okay, so I'm going to read through the rest of the text. Uh, the rest of Job 28. From where then does wisdom come and where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, We have heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. He looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure. When he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder. Then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Period. Ooh, that's good. Okay. I got goosebumps. Ooh. So where then does wisdom come from? Where is the place of understanding? Now, we kind of blast right through to the end. We don't want to do that because he's wanting us to think through mm-hmm. what's going on in those intervening verses. Okay, so what does he say first in verse 21? There, everyone who's alive, it has been hidden from their eyes. Yeah, you the can't birds know. come up again. Okay, mm-hmm. yes, the birds, all right? So just like the falcon's eye, because guess what the falcon can do? You can see a lot of it stuff. It sees a ton of stuff. It has amazing vision, all right? Now, wait, 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 wait. Hmm. It's concealed from the birds of the air. Hmm. Where's the parallelism there with the birds of the air? What's it parallel to? 
Are you talking about the next verse in verse 22? No, verse 21. Oh, yeah, it's in the same colon. Yeah, it's in the same colon. Oh, oh, it's... it's so then the living are the birds of the air? Yeah. So it's not, the eyes of all of the living. What did we see back with the bird? We, it was highlighting its... Sight. Sight. Its eye is specifically mentioned. But huh. now it's not the eye of the bird in the first colon. It's the eye of the... Living. Living. Like people. People. Mm-hmm. Okay. So who is the person in, in verse 20? Or what's the correlation then in verse 21? The person is a... Bird? Bird? Yes. Huh? <laughs> Come on. It's not that bad. All right. Think about the analogy. Because where is wisdom? It's buried down within the earth. And we're like a bird trying to find oh, it and figure it out. We're okay. looking from way up on top, down. But wisdom is beyond our reach, just like the metals and the riches are buried down underneath the ground. And it's beyond the reach of the bird. Even if a bird lands on the ground, yes. there's no way it can dig down it and get it. It can't get down there. I see. It's okay. hidden. Ooh, that's Look good. at the verb there in verse 21. It's hidden from the eyes of all living the same way riches are hidden or yes. concealed from the birds. Okay. And now think through the lion back at the lion illustration previously. What would the lion represent? No idea. The I'm... king of beasts. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, think through the imagery in the Old Testament. What is a lion? He's the king. And what does the king do? Whatever he wants. Yeah. And the lion's doing whatever he wants. And he's walking upon the face of the earth and nobody gets in his way. Okay. But guess what he's walking over the whole time? The riches of wisdom. He doesn't even see it. And he can't even see it. He can't get to it. He can't acquire it. So even though you're the king of all of the earth, guess what you don't have? Or you can't have wisdom. Because where is wisdom? It resides outside of the land of the living. This is why this is the answer to the problem of suffering, mm-hmm. the atheists claim, mm-hmm. because what yeah. realm, in what realm do they live? The living. The That's living. It. In fact, they purposely limit themselves to only material exactly. universe. Exactly. Yeah. So they can never see yep. it, mm-hmm. literally see it using the metaphor here in verse 21. Now, what if we move outside of the land of the living? Oh, let's personify death. And what does he do in verse 22? Oh, I wondered why, why a why bad death? death came up. Yeah. He personifies oh. death and asks death, death, do you know where wisdom is at? And oh, death says, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. Oh, that's interesting. Because living, you know, living life in light of the end. Okay. Uh-huh. I mean, the proverbial wisdom literature speaks about that all the time. Recognizing, guess what? Death, okay? There's like a rumor of it. You're getting close mm-hmm. because you've moved outside of the land of the living. You're moved into the realm of the dead. And then verse 23, God understands the way to it. See the way? It's mm-hmm. the same terminology way. of the mining. Just like man can create a path to wealth and riches underneath the earth, but is unable to, they're like a bird or, or a proud lion uh, uh, walking around the earth or looking down upon the earth. Man cannot, cannot mine the depths of wisdom underneath. God alone is the one that understands the way to it. He knows its keyword. Place, there it is. Place. He it's, knows man, its Man, the repetition is amazing. It is. This is a fun Bible study. I know. You can just walk people through this and say, look for repeated words. Yeah. 
what kind of different sentences. I might steal this for Intro to Bible study. Oh, yeah. It's a fun one. Mm-hmm. He looks to the ends of the earth in verse 24. He sees everything under the heavens when he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure. All right. What is he doing here? Well, he's the one who created all these things. Mm-hmm. And so, so like the lion has a lot of territory, but God, yep. he made the territory. And so he's looking at the physical realm and the rules in which God made the physical realm, guess what else God created? The metaphysical realm. Oh, nice. Very nice. You get two philosophy points. Well done. So you have all of these physics that God has created, and mm-hmm. he's made the way uh, uh, the way for the lightning of the thunder. See that? In mm-hmm. verse 26, God understands, which is a fascinating concept. I've read this and I've been kind of like, man, what is the what are the rules for the lightning bolt? <laughs> yeah. God's rules for the lightning bolt. Okay. He saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, guess what? The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Yeah. Ooh, See, that's good. Because guess what? You can't know it. Hmm. You can't acquire it. You can't see it. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. If you're the king of all of the earth, you are in the land of the living and wisdom resides with God. So what do you need to do? You walk in the fear of the Lord. And then the last line there, you're like, well, what is the right thing to do? Always you just do what God says is right and Mm -hmm. you trust him. Mm-hmm. To turn away from evil is understanding. You're like, well, this is going to be really hard, or I don't know what to do in this situation or that circumstance. And we reconcile tons of different things in our minds. We can make terrible things sound right mm-hmm. with our logic. But what do we need to do? We need to walk in the fear of the Lord and then just do what God says. And what is that? That is, that's wisdom. That's the right thing to do. <sighs> Questions, comments, nasty remarks. That's so, man. So I've never gone through Job 28 before. And my mind is a flurry with thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'll probably hold on to them for now. I may come back later. But I will say that you said apologetics. And yeah. I would say this is pairing very well with like revelational mm-hmm. apologetics as in a lot of the questions can't, that are out there, you can answer them, but the, the the way you would say it is you can answer them, but will those answers satisfy? Uh-huh. I would say often they don't because you need the wisdom of God or the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just, I got a lot of thoughts, but yeah. I'm going to hold on to them now. This is really good. So it, it's helpful because no matter how hard you try, the way to receive it is by submitting and obeying yes. and following the Lord. That's and how that's you receive it. And you, that's hard. Because right. as Charlie has said, the hardest thing we do every day. It's humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. And so humility is the path well, here. <laughs> I guess if we do it. If we do it. <laughs> Otherwise, our days are pretty easy. The hardest thing God asks us to do. Is humble there. Ourselves. That's good. I like that precision. And number two is understand Job 28. Number one, humble yourself. Number <laughs> two, understand Job 28. My, my question would be this. Uh-huh. So I think we we walked through it really well. We understand what Job is doing poetically and the point he's making. Mm-hmm. So why is Job making that point 
as it connects to his speech because it's the full speech is 27 and 28. Correct. So where in the discussion with his friends are we and why is he bringing up the point of God having wisdom and man not? It's in the midst of a longer section and I don't, I don't have, did you look up something? Do you have anything that you want to share? No, I was just, I was just, that's, that's, I kind of went, while I was quiet there for a while, I was like, oh, I wonder where we are. Like, Mm -hmm. is he rebutting a very specific claim of one of the friends, Mm -hmm. or I don't know if you call them friends, one of the people that are there. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I think it fits really simply just to think about here are a group of guys trying to figure out and they're, they're in a sense mining and mining and mining like Job, this is why it happened. And this is why mm-hmm. it happened. Yep. And Job's like, you've got, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I could see how it's a, a rebuttal of Job of like, you don't have a clue because God's the one mm-hmm. and wisdom is fearing him, which we know according to the beginning of the book that Job was doing. Now he, he does uh, at some point in the midst of the book, uh, change a little, I, I would say in his dialogue towards what he's accusing or asking God to do. So, you know, we don't have to get into the whole thing, but mm. I, that, I was, that's where my mind kind of went was, where is this in the flow of mm-hmm. what Job is trying to do in that uh, discussion? Mm-hmm. Did you I, have some? I was just saying, I think it's, there's an, maybe an unexpected element of hope because I think sometimes when we face really complex, hard issues in life, when we face difficulties, when our lives, like the will of God, like we don't know like what to do, right? then we, especially like in our culture today, we go into overdrive on Google or Wiki or even like in our Bible software and our, our Bibles. And it's yeah. not, that's not wrong. And I would say this is not saying that's wrong, but there it's, it's helpful because at the end of the day, I need to do those things. Uh-huh. But what's more important is that I'm fearing God and mm-hmm. turning away from evil. Mm-hmm. And that's where he'll give me wisdom. So I, there's yes. something hopeful. I, I think I need to think it out more. Maybe mm-hmm. you've got thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, and it gets into, I mean, you're kind of talking about epistemology there. What do I know? What can I know? And should I go after the pursuit of knowledge? Definitely. Mm-hmm. You should go after the pursuit. You need to try to learn recognizing your own limitations. And that's where I believe that the knowledge of God, Proverbs 2, 5, you know, the pursuit, just like this pursuit, can lead you to the knowledge of God, and then you can understand the fear of the Lord. Often the understanding of the fear of the Lord is something very difficult because we we wrap our hands around a lot of things. We don't want to let go of this, that, or something else. And when we're holding on to something, there is a uh, resistance to mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. and allowing him to have all of us. So when when I work through this text or even Proverbs 2, when I talk to somebody who starts struggling with like anxiety, a lot of this knowledge in our world feeds our anxious spirit. But if you grasp this concept in Job 28, then you can see, oh, guess what? You know what? I cannot know. Instead, what do I need to do? All I need to do is to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And then you just put one foot in front of the other and you live life. And that's a good life. That is life that's not anxious. That's not striving. It's hopeful and it can enjoy life the way that God designed it. It can enjoy life for the blessings that God has given. And it is a good life. That is the way of wisdom.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.